words of that song uh, cries out, Lord, you know, Jesus, I want to be more like you. I want to be more like you. And, you know, we live in a world that is broken, as I pray. We live in a world that is broken. It's, it's wrecked with sin. It's not the way God created things. And I've told you this before. I don't know how many funerals I stand, you know, and, and, and deliver a funeral um, or deliver a message at a funeral, and that is the words I have. It's like this is not the way God designed things. God designed everything. It was absolutely perfect. Um, and, he, you know, he said after, after his creation each day, and it was good, and it was good. And then sin enters into the world shortly after that and just wreaks havoc on what is good. Uh, for some of us, and, and, and if we really can think about that, there's the, 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 the power of that brokenness, the power of, of sin in our world today is, extre- is, is very powerful. The influence of it is extremely powerful. It's, it can be very subtle, it can be very blatant, but it can be extremely subtle. I don't think there's anybody in here, I mean, all of us, all of us, you know, as, as, as the Word of God teaches, all of us have fallen short of the glory of God, right? But through God's incredible grace and mercy and love and salvation, He invites us into this, into this relationship with Him that forgives us and allows us to be His children. But I don't think any of us set out, you know, on, you know, on our, in our days and say, you know what, I really, even as a follower of Christ, I want to go out today and I want to wreck my life. I want to go out today and I want to destroy my family. I want to destroy, you know, my relationship with my kids or my wife. Or I want to, you know, whatever it may be. I don't think any of us sitting in here would probably just get up and say, in the morning, and say that. I can measure my day of how successful it is by how much wreak and havoc I put on myself and on my and on my kids or whatever, none of us would say that. But the but the but the truth of the matter of what I'm trying to share is is this: we live in a an incredibly powerful, subtle, broken world that sometimes we find ourselves down paths where we just stop and we say, "How did I get here? How did this happen?" Now, the awesomeness of God, He invites us back. We we He's always there to forgive us and love us and forgive us of our sins. But he's there for us. And, and today we're going to look at this passage of Scripture in Ephesians. We've been going through the book of Ephesians. And in chapter 5, we're going to talk about the existence of us Christians in a very broken, dark world. Okay? And, and Paul's writing this letter. And he's writing to the church in Ephesus. And he's telling them, he's telling them, uh, you know, this is, you need to be careful. You need to be guarded. This is, you know, there, there, there are these things that's happening in your world and you need to stay away from them and you need to be very, very uh, careful and sensitive to these things. In Ephesians chapter 5 uh, is where we're going to look and we're going to start with verse uh, 1 verse, uh, through 21. Chapter 5 verses 1 through 21. Let's read these. Um, Would you follow along with me? As I read these, and I'm again reading from the Holman Christian Standard Translation. Uh, It says this, Therefore be imitators of God as dearly loved children, and walk in love as Christ who loved us and gave himself for us, a sacrificial and fragrant offering to God. But sexual immorality and any impurity or greed should not even be heard of among you, as as is proper for saints. Obscene and foolish talking or crude joking are not suitable, but rather giving thanks. For know and recognize this, every sexual immoral or impure or greedy person who is an idolater does not have an inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. Let no one deceive you with empty arguments, for God's wrath is coming on the disobedient because of these things. Therefore, do not become their partners. 
For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Live as children of light. For the fruit of the light consists of all goodness, righteousness, and truth. Testing what is pleasing to the Lord. Don't participate in the fruitless works of darkness, but instead expose them. For it is shameful even to mention what is done uh, by them in secret. Everything exposed by light is made visible. For what makes everything visible is light. Therefore it is said, get up, sleeper, and rise up from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Verse 15, pay careful attention then how you live, not as unwise people, but as wise, making the most of the time because the days are evil. So don't be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is, and don't get drunk with wine, which leads to reckless living, but be filled by the Spirit, speaking to one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, singing and making music with your heart to the Lord, giving thanks Always for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another in the fear of Christ. That sounds like a letter that's written to you and I, does it not? That sounds like a letter that came to the mailbox at Element saying, Hey guys, be careful. Be careful because this is the world that you're going into. Be very careful. Now, the Ephesians would have known this because, well, this letter would have been circulated around the church in Ephesus. Uh, remember, they lived, uh, the, the city of Ephesus was very immoral, extremely immoral. Probably like, you know, if you, like we said, if you didn't participate in the immorality, you were the odd person out. It affected where you worked, it affected your job career, it affected your social status, it affected everything. So if you did not bow down to Artemis or you didn't like participate in that, th- that particular culture, uh, there wasn't plan B. There wasn't like getting along with it. It was like you either, are, you either were or you weren't right? And Paul's saying, be careful, because the world is dark. And this is what happens. This is what the world looks like. They're, you know, and he, and he lists, lists the things uh, that, that characterize what this world looks like. Now, when he's talking about this, um, as we get into this, he's describing, um, you know, he's describing a Christ follower. He's saying, you, you know, he's writing to the Christ follower saying, this is who you are. And so what I want to share with you is, the first thing is this, God's will for you is not about you, okay? Now, let me explain. Uh, you know, as Dan and I were sitting talking about this, Dan and Chris, uh, uh, you know, we've been going, we're, what they're speaking in Adrian at the Adrian campus at One Mosaic is the same thing we're speaking here to you guys. And so as we're talking about this, this is something that he said, you know what, I, I came up with this years ago, and, and when he shared I'm like, that is really, I really like that. And as you can see, uh, Will is, 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 is uh, it's God's will for you, it's not about you. And what it means is God's will, which Paul says it right here. If you look, you know, many of us will say, what's God's will for my life? What is God's will? I need to know what God's will is for my life. Let me share with you really quickly what God's will for you. Number, uh, chapter 5, verse 1. Therefore, be imitators of God as dearly loved children and walk in love as Christ also loved us and gave himself for us a sacrificial and fragrant offering to God. What's God's will for my life? To walk in love. Not just love, but God's love. Walk in love. What's God's will for your life? What's God's big plan for your life? What is God's, you know, what does God have for you? You know, what is his will? To be imitators of him. To be imitators of him. 
as you know, uh, Christ, Christ walked in love. What did Christ do? As we study Christ, as we study the Gospels, and we see Jesus walking on the, you know, walking here on earth, becoming mankind, uh, being God, being man. But he walked in love. He represented God. He was God. He was uh, and is God. And so, what is? What, it's the same calling that you and I have on our lives. We live in a dark world. We don't become part of the world. But we, we don't, we, you know, we are, we, we become, we're in it, but we're not of it. You know what I'm saying? So we're, the world doesn't define who we are. God defines us who we are. We imitate God. We walk in God's love as Christ demonstrated to us. And so really the, the, the message here in this passage of Scripture answers the question or asks the question, begs to answer, ask the question, who is your partner? Who is your partner? Who do you couple up with? Who is your partner? Is it God or is it the world? It's going to be one or the other. And I think what happened, what's, going, what's taking place here, Paul's saying, listen, you can't have both. It can't be straddling the fence. You can't straddle the fence. You're either, you either, you either part of the world or you're part of God, okay? And, and, and be very careful because, you know, and, and he spells it out here, what the world looks like, and then he kind of gives the characteristics or the duties, per se, responsibilities maybe, of, of a follower of Jesus Christ. Now, when he's describing these things, this, these sexual immoral people, um, uh, impurity, greed, they're full of greed and all these other things, um, it says a person... Uh, a person who is, it says, every sexual immoral or impure or greedy person who is an idolater does not have an inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. Paul's describing the world. He's not describing the Christians there. In fact, if we study this passage, many suggest, if not, many of the resources that I studied said that he wasn't really talking to the, the Ephesians about the people in Ephesus, okay? He was talking to them, but he wasn't talking about them. He wasn't saying, hey, you're impure, you're greedy, you're doing all these things. He was saying, no, that's who the world is. Now, when, this, when we look at Corinthians, the church in Corinth, we see believers that were participating in things that were wrong, and Paul's addressing that church saying, whoa, hang on a second. You're participating in things that is absolutely despicable to God. But here in this passage, Paul's not saying that it's the church in Ephesus that's contending with these things. He's just telling them, you need to be very careful because you play a significant role in this. You are living in a dark world. And what does that look like? Well, first of all, let me share with you some of these things that he's looking at. And let's be very specific when he talks about these, these sins that he's mentioning. First of all, in these sins he's mentioning, he lists about three sexual sins. This, this concept of sexual immorality, impurity, and greed, which he already mentioned in, in, in uh, chapter 4. But, but he's talking about pornea. That's the word, pornea. And it's a broad word conveying any sexual sin. It could, it could consist of incest. It could consist of promiscuity, of sexual relations with a prostitute, or, Ill, Ill, or illicit sexual relations with, any, with anything, with anyone. Paul's saying all of it, all of it is wrong. All of it's detestable to God. Sexual immorality, this pornea, this, the, all of it, man. And you can see where we get the word pornography. All of it is, 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 an abol- you know, is, 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 is horrible and sin in the eyes of God. And then he talks about this, this concept of idolatry where he says, you know, this, it's from this Old Testament image of Yahweh that says, Yahweh is your husband. Yahweh is the one. You're, you're partnered with Yahweh. That's who your partner is, is. You don't participate in these other things. 
And then it has this, and we talked about this last week, about this, this sense of greed and lust. Uh, phinexia, it's this desire to have more. I need to have more. And in Colossians 3, 5, he talks about it more, and he literally identifies it as idolatry. And behind this identification is this Jewish understanding. They would have completely understood this in a sense uh, from the teachings that this Jewish understanding of idolatry, which was the root of all sin and greed, as sin encompasses all sins. So this, this, this concept of, of, you know, phinexia is, is this understanding from a Jewish perspective that they believe that idolatry was the root of all sin and greed as the sin encompassing all sins. And Paul's saying, those people will not inherit the kingdom of God. People that that's who they are that's been given over to that, that's what they want, that's what they desire. Remember in Romans where Paul says, you know, God has seared their conscience now. They're, you know, that's what they want. They continue to get on that path. They never acknowledged him. They knew him, but they never recognized him. They never, you know, acknowledged him per se. That's who they are. And, and the, Jewish, the Jewish mindset was that that was the ultimate. Idolatry was the breaking away. Idolatry was that, that sense and the root of all sin and greed encompassed all of them. I want more. I want more. So when we talk about God's will for our lives, God's will for our lives is not so much for us. And what that means is this. It's not so much that we exist through life. Hey, this is all about me. What is it, you know, what do I get out of all of this? God's will is that you represent him. God's will is that, that as followers of Jesus that we bring light to him. And we're going we're gonna to take a look at this a little bit, little bit, little bit uh, closer here. He goes on to talk about different ways that they even talk. Sins of the tongue. Well, what does that mean? Three different sins of the tongue in which he identifies somewhat here. The sense of obscenity. The sense of obscenity is this, this, it could, it, this concept of indecent language. Paul's saying, don't get wrapped up in this, the, the way you talk, this indecent language, this obscenity, this, you know, things that's not, that doesn't bring God glory. He talks about foolish talk, literally meaning it's the language of the fool. And then he talks about coarse joking, which usually, or in this concept, it means that there's this double entendre. Have you ever been around someone that uses these double entendres when you talk to them? They, they have this sense of coarse joking that, that they're, you know, you say something and then they kind of come in and they make it mean something like, like it could have two meanings. And that second meaning is always like wrong, you know what I mean? Kind of like rooted in like, like filth or immorality or whatever. Paul's saying that is not the language of a believer. And, and, and be very careful because those are the people that, 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 that you're going to be living in or next to. So he's writing to the believers, or writing to unbelievers in a sense, or writing to the Christians, but he's referring to the unbelievers in Ephesus, and he's saying, these are the people that you're going to come up against. These are the people that's going to rub up against you. Do not become like them. Do not subject yourselves to this. Do not, just stay away. He says this, do not partner with such people. Do not partner with such people. And, and basically, it's this concept that if we're joined with Christ, how can we partner with people that are doing things that are completely the antithesis of who God is? 
If, if we have the light of the world living inside of us, if we have God's love literally living inside of us, His Spirit living inside of us, how is it then that we can literally partner with other individuals, partner with people that are not that way, partner with people that, that, that participate in things that is completely, again, the antithesis of who Jesus is? Now, the very interesting thing is this. We have to be very careful on who we partner with because it really, and, and, and the way we kind of operate, because we, even though we're living in this world, we're not of the world, but we still make a difference, okay? Paul's saying, you're going to make a difference. Don't partner with them, but he said, expose them. In the passage of Scripture here, he says, don't partner, he says, don't participate in the fruitless works um, and, and those types of things. But he said, there's a point to where you will expose them. Now, what does that look like and what does that mean? Now, here's the interesting part. If we go to this next slide, and I want to, this is where I want us to really kind of pay close attention because when we talk about walking in God's will, his will is for us to walk in his love. It means that when we embrace God's love, we must understand his love for us, right? If, we understand, if we're going to walk in his love, the first thing you and I need to do is understand his love because it literally affects everything else. God's love literally permeates who you are if we allow it, and it, will, it literally affects who we are as a person and how we're going to impact the darkness around us. We're not going to partner with them, but as we go into the world, we're going to make an impact. We're going to, we're going to influence. We're going to expose. And it's not so much us doing the exposing, but it's the love and the light of Jesus Christ within us that exposes. And if, we're going, if that's going to happen, we need to understand his love because this is what happens, guys. When we, on this next slide here, is this, and we talked about this, we talked about Yes, this partner thing. Where did that slide come from? Okay, there we go. We talked about this last week, our identity. Remember us talking a little bit about this, about our minds, the way we think? Where we find our identity, which means our value, worth, hope, purpose, love, affects how we're going to treat others, okay? For instance, if we find our identity in possessions, how are we going to treat other people? Answer's right there objects right now what does that mean if i find my worth in possessions if you find your worth in possessions who you are in possession that's how you measure your worth that's how you measure your success that's when you feel the most significant is when you have the possessions that identify who you you know who you are what happens now is you treat others like objects. You objectify other people. You know why? Because other people are either going to help you get to where you need to go or they're going to be a stumbling block. And heaven forbid anybody comes in front of you in your path that's going to prevent you from getting what you want. And if they do, you're going to objectify them every single time. Every single time. We do that, we do that even as Christians, believe it or not. We do that even in our relationships at home. We do that when, you know, there are times when, you know, with our spouses, we get into those same conversations, right? And the next thing you know, we begin to objectify them. We begin to put them in a box. And we say, well, that's just who you are. And so we begin to treat them as such, kind of like as objects, because they are keeping us from whatever it is, whatever it is, 
They're keeping us from attaining what we think or what we truly believe is going to make us who we think we need to be, our self-worth. If we are all about popularity, then the opinion and perception of others is going to skyrocket, right? If, 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 my, if my worth is based upon how popular I am, how many people like me, you are 100% right when you say, then you're going to care about what other people think. And then what happens is we go around and our biggest fear is that someone might reject us. Our biggest fear is if someone that may be in a, in a position of authority or something, a friend or whatever, if we really kind of see that person in a, lot, in a certain light or whatever, we have to make sure that they like us because if they reject us, our world comes crumbling down. And we can't have that. We cannot have that. And so what happens is we put our stock in popularity you know, uh, you know and, and whatever it may be. Now, some of us may be scoffing right now. That's because your popularity is in possessions, right? Or in power or prestige, right? And as long as you're there, everything's okay. Now it's not so funny, right? But if our, if our if whatever it is, our power, prestige, um, you know, whatever we find our purpose in, our value or whatever, it's going to come down if, it's, if we don't believe we're getting or receiving what we think we should be getting or receiving. What happens if it's rooted in Christ? What happens if your worth is rooted in Christ? It doesn't matter what other people think. You don't really want to offend other people. But your world's not going to come crushing down because your preferences might not be the same. You're not that fickle. You're not that fractious. You're not going to treat people as an object because that's not how Christ treats us. I'm not going to treat someone else like an object. I'm not going to badmouth them. I'm not going to use obscenities. I'm not going to demonize them. I'm not going to tear them down because I know deep down inside of me, that's not what Christ did. That's not what Christ did for me. This is when we truly begin to experience the love and grace of Jesus Christ. And what what happens is when we truly can embrace this, this, this thought that, or this, not just thought, but this understanding, this truth that Jesus absolutely adores me and I am special in his eyes. I'm not perfect, but I am, spe- I am absolutely special in his eyes because my, my, my worth's not based upon my perfection, right? You do know your worth's not based on your perfection with God. Your worth is based upon his love, he absolutely loves you and adores, adores you. And when that permeates us, we begin to look at people the same way. Who am I to judge somebody? Would I want Christ to, would I want Christ to judge me? No, I'm going to let you in on a little secret here. Just, I'm going to be very transparent. And I'm going to go there because it will help us, right? And I know none of you are like this. But I'll ask the question. Have you ever... Discipline your child, and at some point in that disciplining process, there's a thought that shoots across your radar that says, you're not much different. Hmm. You're not that much different. Don't you do the same things at times? I don't think it's a thought from Satan I think it's a message directly from the Holy Spirit saying, we need to have a little checkup right now. Just a little gut check. 
kind of kind of doesn't feel like a gut check. It feels like we're getting slammed up against the glass at a hockey rink, right? Someone's coming skating from the cheap seats and lands us right into the wall, into the glass. At least that's what it feels like to me if I do those things, which I, you know, I'm kidding. <laughs> that's humbling to me. That's very humbling to me. And for some of us, we can push it off for a while. Yeah, okay, whatever. You know, I'm dealing with this right now. I've got to get this resolved, and then I'll deal with this later, right? Somehow this over here never becomes back to this. Let's deal with this right now. But I believe that's the Holy Spirit saying, wait a minute. Is that how Christ treats you? Yes, there's some points in there. Yes, yes, we can talk about Yes. You can discipline, you can try to, you can train your kid, you can teach your kid, but let's be honest, haven't we crossed the line here? Haven't we crossed the line here? Haven't you gone in just a little bit too deep? That's not how God, that's not how I love you. That's not how I discipline you. When we, when we can truly, and again, I get that we're humans, and I get that we struggle with this from time to time, at least I do. But I think if we can set ourselves, our minds on Christ, if we can put ourselves in that humble, contrite position before Jesus, and he fills us with his love, it changes. It's a game changer. It's a game changer. It changes the way I view my fa- it changes the way I view myself. It changes the way I view my family. It changes the way I view my spouse, my kids. It changes the way I view you guys. It changes the way I view my, my community. It changes the way I, I view everything. And Paul's saying, that's, that's who you're called to be. You're called to be that person. You're not of the world. You're not involved in all this sexual, this sexual gross stuff that the world's into. That's not who you partner with. That's not, that's not you. You're part of Christ now. Christ is you. You know, elsewhere in his teachings, and, and when we drop down a couple of verses after this, and we get into the whole husband, wife, submitting thing, ooh, that's going to be fun, isn't it? Yeah, we want to take it, and we want to view it, and, and we want to take it in the context of the society and the world that we live in. Don't ask me to submit to that. Don't ask me to do that because that's so male chauvinistic and all this other stuff. But man, when you look at it through the love of Christ, it's totally different. Where God's saying, Paul's saying through the, through the Spirit of God saying, or Spirit of God saying through Paul saying, love your wives as Christ loved the church. Last time I checked, this is how Christ loved the church. May I suggest this very quickly? Wives, would you submit to your husbands? And I know that word's nasty, isn't it? Ooh, I just, ooh. If your husband loved you like Christ loved you, do you think it would be hard to submit to him? It's a game changer, isn't it? Husbands, you want your wives, now I'm spoiling the message, right? But husbands, you want that love. You want that respect? Treat them like Christ did. Paul's saying this is, how, this is who you are. Christ is living inside of you. Don't participate in all these other things because that is not who you've been called to be. Now, 
as we look at this, it says in verses, what, 8 through 9? 8 and 9. For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Paul's getting to it now. Paul's saying, this is who you are. You're not this person. You're, you're this person. You're not the darkness. You're this doing detestable things. You're this person. You were over here, but now by this incredible salvation that he talked about in the first couple of chapters of Ephesians, you're completely different. You're a new creation, he will say in another, another letter. But he says, for you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. For the, for the fruit of the light results in all goodness, all righteousness and truth. That's so light. This is what light does. Light is the truth. That's what light is. The light of God, the light of light. Okay, light in general. If it was if it was nighttime here, okay? If it was completely nighttime, we turned off the lights and we turned on the lights, it exposes, right? It you know, it's not a negative or a positive thing. It just it's like, "Whoa, I didn't see that," you know. You know, you know, now I can see, right? Whatever. That's exactly the light. Jesus says, I am the light of the world. Jesus came into the world and he exposed the darkness. And folks, that's the world you and I live in too, right? The world wants to eradicate God. The world wants to eradicate the name of Jesus. The world wants to eradicate any belief in in a Jesus. We can talk about God, but we can't talk about Jesus, right? Jesus is offensive, Jesus is someone we need to eradicate, just like they did back in his time. Let's get rid of this guy because this guy's exposing things. This guy's telling us that the things that I'm doing don't line up. This guy's saying there's a different set of standard to live by because he was light. He came, he exposed, he shared the truth, he illuminated. And Paul's saying that's what you're going to do. That's what Paul says here in this text. He says you're going to expose them. You expose them. Now, how do we expose them? Do we go into our world and we start just hammering it down on people? I don't think so. I think the way we expose people is that, again, back up to when we walk in the love of Christ. Guys, he's going to expose them just simply by you allowing him to live in and through you. There may be times where you talk But for the most part, your life is going to expose darkness. Have you ever been around, have you ever been around somebody or something where your spirit just felt kind of uneasy? I really believe that those, I I really believe that's the, that, that there's a clashing of spirits taking place. You know what I'm talking about? Where you've been in a situation where you've been around some people or just in something where you just felt this, you felt really odd man you felt and when I say odd I'm not talking about the normal way that I feel odd at times around people but I'm talking about I'm talking about there's something deep inside of me that says something's off here something's wrong something doesn't add up that I can't see or 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 or, or put my hands on I really believe at times there's a clashing of spirits going on do you remember when Jesus uh when he would you know he was kind of walking around and there was a time where he would interact with someone that was filled with demons. Do you remember what the de- remember the demons? Remember that one story where Jesus, I forget where it was at, but he walks in, there's this guy, he's filled with demons, and the demon speaks through the guy and he says, whoa, who are, why are you here? Why are you here? And Jesus dealt with it. And Jesus, I think it was in that time, one of those times Jesus says, my time's not yet. My time's not, you know, so 
there was this interaction between the spiritual worlds when Jesus walked around. That's what happens to you because you have Jesus living inside of you. That's what's supposed to happen. We expose things. Not really, again, we come out and we just lay it out there and we have to preach it. But we expose things because the light is living in us and we are walking in the light. We are walking in Christ's love, the light. The light obviously equals truth. The darkness uh, equals the world. Again, we're told to be in the world, not of the world. But what can happen here real quick, we can experience this moral emotional drift, this moral uh, missional drift. Uh, Not too long ago, I was preaching through Hebrews, and in in chapter 2, verse 1, it says this. It says, we must therefore pay even more attention to what we have heard so that we will not drift away. Pay attention. We must be extremely careful. Therefore, why? Because we we won't drift away. How do we drift away? One of the ways ways we get around people we partner with people that's not of god we partner with people that's not that has god living inside of, of them that's one way another way is that we participate in foolish talk when we have a discussion with someone that doesn't believe in jesus about spiritual things or in life in a sense and at times it just kind of sounds like gibberish there's some videos I've been watching of this guy who actually, he'll go to abortion clinics. This guy is absolutely powerful. He, he's a pastor in Arizona, but he'll go to abortion clinics. He will go to the, the um, is, it, is it the Right to Reason marches, you know, that, that's about uh, atheism and all those things. I, forget, I think it's those things, and, and some other places. And he will literally have conversations with these people. He's not mean, he's not dogmatic, he's not like arrogant, but he knows the word. And he knows what's going on. And he'll talk to someone who is like, um, kind of like an atheist, and, and, and he will literally take them down their path of what they truly believe. And when you listen to what they truly believe, it's like, this is gibberish. I mean, seriously, you know, like we're, we're made of stardust. Have you heard of that? Where we're made of, people are made of stardust, and they're fizz, we're just fizzing. People are just fizzing. And you listen to it, and you're like, what? How would anybody, with, how would anybody believe that? We're made of star... I mean, yeah, okay, if you don't believe in God, that's one thing, but we're stardust and we're just fizzing? You know, and all this, uh, there's more to it. And it's just like, it's kind of jip... That's one way we get pulled away, because for some of us, if we're not living, truly living in the light and, and, and submitting to, to the love of Christ, we can get... <laughs> it's not a place to be, man. We don't need to be that way. And that's another story. Remember the story, I think it was Peter and, Peter and John. Uh, uh, remember that, where they, after the after Pentecost, and they were walking, and some people tried, some of the disciples tried to, um, it wasn't the disciples. <laughs> this is off the cuff of my head, off the cuff here. But do you remember the story in the New Testament after Pentecost, where there were some people trying to make uh, maybe profit off of doing what the disciples were doing, and they had the power? And these people uh, uh, came up against someone who had some demons, and they tried to cast the demons out, and the demons said, Hey, we know who these guys are, like Peter and John, or Peter and John, I think it was, Peter and John, but we don't know who you are. And they attacked them. Remember that? That's what happens if we're not, you know, full of the Spirit of God, I believe, and live, but, but it's it, and not in, and engaging in futile thinking or understanding or conversations. But we need to be very careful that we don't drift away. And again, that's a nautical term of, of a captain bringing a boat in, and if they, just, if they don't pay attention, they end up just drifting where they're coming in to dock, and they miss their dock, and you kind of see a picture of this right here. And there's one thing that's pretty sad is seeing a boat 
that's not in the water, right? I mean, you look at a boat. How many of you ever driven by houses that has like a really nice-looking boat, and it's sitting in their yard, but it's not sitting, you can tell they don't use it, and it's been sitting there for a while, and it's not on a trailer, it's kind of sitting in the grass, and the thing's all cockeyed like this, you know, a big, huge boat, and it's, you know, like, and you look at it, and you're like, that's really odd. Boats look odd out of the water because they were not built to be out of the water, were they? It's kind of like you and I. When Christ is living in us, the light comes out. The light comes out. And, 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 and so Paul reminds us, the worship team comes back. We're going to close with one more song. Paul reminds us, who do we partner with? We live in a world that is very dark. We live in a world that's broken. We live in a world that is, that is dragging people down. You know, Satan wants to do nothing more than to just drag people away from from God or believers. He wants, to, he wants to subtly deceive and just make your life miserable uh, because you've you're, 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 you're kind of lost the, the, the perspective of, of truth, of truth. Paul says that's, that's not who you've been called to do. Walk in God's love. Be imitators of Christ. Don't participate in this other stuff, but, but you know, if you're around these people, you're going to make a difference. Don't alienate yourself but you're going to make a difference. And that's kind of the boat thing. Don't alienate yourself. You're in the water, but be an influence. Expose. Allow God to expose uh, these individuals and their faulty thinking, but let God do it and let God do it in and through you. I pray that right now that as we close with one last song, that you would just use this time to respond to God, however God may be leading you. I believe that God's Spirit is here. I believe that God's Spirit is drawing I believe that some are going to be very open. I believe your hearts are going to be very fertile to the, with the soil of God's Word. For others, we may close ourselves off. We're not ready, and I pray that you wouldn't do that. God has something specific for you here this morning. Whether you're celebrating or whether you're back here and you're really struggling with something, God is here through His Spirit and wants to interact with every single person in this room this morning. He has a message for you. So I pray that you would just respond to that. Uh, however and whatever that would look like. So if you would, please stand with me and let me lead us into a word of prayer as we close with one last song. And those of you that would like to pray, please come. We'd love to pray with you. Let me just lead us into a word of prayer. Father, thank you so much for who you are. Thank you so much that even though we live in this broken world, even though as believers, as followers of you, there's times where we can get off course. Thank you so much that you don't just leave us. That you don't just reject us. You don't just leave us in that state, but you're always there loving us back into your arms. I pray, for, I pray that you would help us become children of yours that are full of your light, full of your spirit, where we're not grieving your spirit, but we are full of your spirit and we're, we're imitators of you. Father, that people would see that and they would, we would, you would expose their faulty thinking and that they would want what it is that we have, you living inside of us. So I just pray that we would be vessels to be used by you in a, very, in a way that you choose. So I pray right now, Father, that uh, wherever we're at this morning, either celebrating or we're, we may be struggling or wherever it is, Father, I pray that you would find freedom in this room this morning right now. I pray your spirit would just be able to connect with ours and be able to just we would respond in a very in a way that would be pleasing to you and i pray all this in the powerful name of your son our lord and our savior jesus christ amen